You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, Episode 9, Touching the Wound. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. I want to welcome you to the show Uh, It's a joy to get together with you every week and talk about life and how our faith uh, really informs our life and drives our life. And and sometimes the topics that we talk about are are really joyful and, you know, it's uh, it's kind of light and fun, things that are happening in our life. And and other times we talk about theology and the Bible and uh, studying and, and things like that. But then there's times where life kind of hits you, you know, right in the face and and um, you weren't expecting things. And I want to talk about those today as well. And the topic that I've chosen for today fits, uh, fits right into what's happening in my life. Uh, my, uh, my father-in-law just died. Uh, we're all very close to Andy. My father-in-law and his funeral was just a few days ago. And uh, it's been a very difficult time for the family. And in the midst of it, Uh, My wife uh, has been struggling with some health issues, which I'll I'll share with you briefly about. It's not a secret or anything. She she lets me share these things. And in the midst of that, I got whooping cough (laughs) and started coughing and coughing and coughing. And and life is happening right in front of us. And and, uh, I want to talk about touching the wound in your life. And when somebody else is hurting, touching the wound, helping them to pick up the cross rather than running from it. Maybe you have someone in your life right now that uh, has, is hurt. Maybe it's a, a suffering that is physical or a moral suffering of the heart, and you don't know what to say to them. You don't know, you know what to give them. You don't know what is in bounds and out of bounds, and maybe you don't feel qualified. Maybe you, you feel surprised or you're reluctant to be used by the Lord. Uh, at that cancer ward, or at that funeral home, or in hospice. And I want to talk to you about that and the experience that I just went through with my father-in-law. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to share with you even what I, what I wrote about him uh, for the funeral that was read at the end. And uh, I think that's what this show is about. It's about sharing the good things in our life and sharing the difficulties in our life. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to take a, a, a moment to say a thank you to uh, all of our wonderful listeners. We've had so much good response and, and very constructive response about the show with you know, um, suggestions on topics that people want to they want to hear about. Uh, Sandra in California wants to know about, you know, Orthodox Church versus the Roman Catholic view of things. Uh, we have um, Sandra from Massachusetts wants to uh, talk about spiritual mentorship. Just a lot of really good topics. And, and we'll probably get to many of these in the future for future shows. Uh, I'm looking at uh, many of the, of the uh, emails and texts that we've received, and I just want you to know that I, I read them, and I'm very grateful, uh, very, very grateful uh, for that. So, hey, by the way, if you uh, would like to know more about the show, I want you to uh, go to ascensionpresents.com forward slash podcasts, and you can look at the show notes. One thing that makes this show different 
is that we have a great team. Marisa is uh, my producer, and she does a great job of taking all the scriptures that I'm talking about, pictures and links, and putting them into the show notes for you, uh, because we know that you're probably driving in the car in many cases, and we don't want you taking notes while you're driving, so we've provided those notes for you. You can also go to iTunes, and you can rank the show. You can give us some comments and feedback. We really do appreciate that. We really, really do. We're talking today about touching the wound of others and not being afraid to do that. And what do we say? What do, what do we do? You know, this, this topic uh, came up many years ago uh, as I was at a men's conference with Steve Wood. Many of you are familiar with him. And I was standing in the back in the foyer and this lady came up to me. I think she was either dropping her husband off or I don't know what she was doing, but she came up to me and uh, she just looked at me and she said, I hate you. And I said, what are you talking about? You hate me. And, I, and she said, I hate you. And I said, well, what is your name? I don't even know your name. And uh, she told me her name and I said, well, why do you hate me? And she said, well, I watch you on TV. I read your books and I hear you speaking and so forth. And you just seem to have it all together and you're happy and and all joyful. And in the meantime, my husband is really struggling and he wants to teach. And uh, he's not he's not uh, able to do some of the things that he wants to do. And, and it just bothers me. I hate you. So I, I started to talk to her at that point and I said, and I said, do you really know me? She goes, well, I see, I know what I see on TV and what I read and so forth. And I said, but do you really know me? Because yes, I am joyful and I'm very grateful and thankful that all that God has done in my life. But are you aware of what's happening in my life right now? And uh, she said, well, no, not really. And at that particular time, it was kind of interesting because I was actually facing from Mayo Clinic uh, the, um, uh, with some degree of certainty that I, I was going to have a major surgery there on my vocal cords because I had been experiencing great pain in my life when I, when I was speaking. And uh, it turns out I didn't have to do that, praise God. They found a different solution and I was allergic to something. But I was facing literally, I think, three or four weeks from that time that I spoke to the woman, a uh, major surgery, and the doctor even told me to start learning sign language. That scared me. I had a number of other things that were happening in my life at the time, and I mentioned them to her, and she goes, oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And my point in sharing that with you is that so often when we, when we live out our life, we encounter people that are carrying crosses and going through difficulties in their life that we don't even know. And in some cases, we do know. We see the cross that they are carrying. We do see the fact that they are receiving chemotherapy right now. We do see the fact that they are weeping because they've lost a child or they have lost their job uh, or they have a broken leg or what, whatever it might be. Or they just lost a loved one and they're going to a funeral. Or they're, you're at the funeral parlor and people are, are looking at their loved ones in a casket and people don't know what to say. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what I would call touching the wound. Now we, we naturally avoid suffering in our lives. And I say naturally avoid it, okay? We, we would naturally avoid suffering in our, in our life and we naturally avoid wanting anything to do with a cross. In Jesus' day, the cross was the most wicked form of, of death 
inflicted by the Romans on people who were not in agreement with them politically or committed some kind of crime. Now, we're not interested in ourselves carrying a cross, and we don't want to pick up our own cross, you know, typically, much less someone else's cross. And when we encounter somebody else carrying a cross, we become uncomfortable sometimes, and we end up, we end up, uh, um, you know, coming up with a, another kind of theology. Um, and that theology is things like, well, you know, just I'll pray for you or Lord takes the most beautiful flowers first, you know, and I call it Hallmark theology. And uh, no, no disrespect to Hallmark, but, uh, but people don't need Hallmark theology so much as they need real life love and people who are not afraid to confront the cross and to embrace that cross with them, people who are not afraid to touch the wound. And so we're so uncomfortable. We don't know what to do and we don't know what to say. But we do know one thing, and that is that Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So we know that we are called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, which means that we, in our suffering, have a part to play in God's redemptive plan. And as Paul said in Colossians 1.24, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and I fill up in my body that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And what Paul meant by that was that, that not that Jesus... Uh, only came up with 98% of the suffering, and we have to now come up with two. But what he meant, and this is uh, also backed up by St. Augustine and St. John Paul II, and that is that what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ is the lacking uh, of the suffering of the mystical body of Christ, the church. In other words, we have a part to play. We can pick up our cross and if we join that by offering it up in union with Jesus, our suffering becomes redemptive. And this is just part of the disciples' life. And we'll, we'll do a whole show on this later. I, I, I don't want to, uh, to go into that real deeply right now, but I do want to, to dedicate one whole show in the future just on redemptive suffering. And uh, we'll probably be doing that in the next, uh, next month or so. So we know that we're called to pick up our cross, but... Uh, what we're talking about today is what do you do when you suddenly have the opportunity to pick up someone else's cross or you are a witness to their suffering in their life. This is what happened with a man in the New Testament by the name of Simon. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 21, and it's mentioned I think three times in the Gospels, um, Jesus was, was carrying his crossbar uh, to Calvary where he was going to be crucified. And as, as he was going throughout the streets, it says in Mark 15 uh, that the Romans compelled a passerby. In other words, they made him, they forced him to carry the cross of Jesus. It says in verse 21, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. So there you've got a guy that maybe he's, he's on the way to shop, maybe he's on the way to have lunch with someone, maybe he's, he has to do a business deal, whatever it might be. And suddenly, 
the Son of God has been nailed to this crossbar and is, is uh, moving along through the city streets and the Romans are there and uh, they force him into service to help carry the cross of the Son of God. Amazing. Now, sometimes we volunteer to help others, but sometimes we feel like, you know what? <laughs> I was just there. I was just there and suddenly I had this opportunity or, or maybe they, you might even say, I just felt forced in some way to do this. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't have the time to do it. I felt uncomfortable doing it, but they made me do it. Or it just seemed like I should do it, even though I didn't really want to. Read a, read an interesting article by Richard Grebenk. He has uh, got his master's from Franciscan University. I just found this online. I don't know him, but I, I found his article helpful to me at this time when we're talking about Simon and particularly the, the death of my father-in-law this last week. He, he mentions in the article, and by the way, he does, he does, he does uh, uh, articles for Lay Witness Magazine, National Catholic Register, Catholic Books Review. Hope to meet you, Richard, sometime. But you said something in your article on Simon that really made me think, and it, it really encouraged me you know, in, um, in what I've been going through in this last week with illness and the loss of a loved one. You, you brought out in the article, Richard, and I thought it was so good, and, and I'll pass this on, that, that Simon uh, most likely was surprised at being singled out. No doubt, he suddenly is taken by the Romans and said, you're going to carry the cross, this guy, you're going to help him. But, but, but no buts about it, you're going to do it. And um, no doubt it surprised him, he was singled out. And, and I'd ask you, have you ever felt that way, that when somebody was facing, you know, difficulties in their life and they were looking for volunteers and someone volunteered you to do it. Were you surprised? In the article he mentions also that Simon may have been annoyed by the schedule change in his day perhaps or inconvenienced that day. And I know that uh, uh, in this last month that my father-in-law has been in hospice. There's been a lot of surprises. There's been a lot of natural annoyances, I guess you could say, or feeling inconvenienced. Uh, everything changed in our lives. Uh, another thing is maybe uh, Simon felt reluctant. I'm not ready for this. You know, I can't, I can't handle this. Uh, this is not going to be good for me. I'm not trained for this, you know, very reluctant. And that, that's the way I, I notice that people feel when they suddenly are faced with somebody else's cross. It might be at a cancer ward where you walk in to visit someone and maybe it smells different in there. Maybe they look different now. They don't have the hair that they used to. Um, maybe it's discouraging for them. And you come in and you see the cross that they are carrying and, and you naturally, as a good person, ask yourself, what do I do? What can I say? What should I do? And so often we we don't end up doing what we really want to do in our heart. We don't say what we really want to say in our heart. We don't take the action that, that we really knew we, should, we should, have, should have taken you know, later. And so we say to them, well, you're in my prayers. And that's good. Don't get me wrong. You're in my prayers. People should be in our prayers. And, uh, and that's, that's what we're called to do, right? Is to pray for one another. 
But so often there's more that we could say that's substantive. We can, we can give them a hug. We can embrace them. We can tell them that we love them, that we can tell them that they're not alone and that we will be with them in the midst of this. I will carry the cross with you. I'll be here tomorrow morning. I'll come tonight. I, I, is there anything you need? I want to bring it to you. I have a, I have a, a poem I want to read. I have a couple of scriptures I want to read to you. Can I help you in, in any way? You know, there was a number of years ago that I was uh, working in a trauma unit as a pastoral consultant and training doctors and nurses on what to do in the midst of, of uh, death and how to talk to family members and how to handle it themselves. And one of the things I brought out was that, uh, that in that crisis, when people are facing this cross in their life, we need to be very transparent and very honest. Transparent, honest, and to say the things that we know we want to say, but maybe we don't have the guts to say them. And we need the help of the Lord to do that. It will make a difference. Anyway, I was, I was working in this, in this trauma unit and, and I got into the practice of carrying uh, plastic uh, surgical gloves in my glove compartment in case I ran across an, an accident or someone in need, I would be prepared. If you... Um, if you'd like to put it this way, we could say, I was practicing to be Simon of, of Cyrene by having these gloves in the glove compartment and a few medical supplies in case I ran across an accident. At least I knew what I could do to help carry the cross of this person until the, uh, the ambulance came. And, and one day I was riding behind a motorcycle and I started to realize very quickly that the uh, oncoming traffic was not going to stop and this guy on the motorcycle was going to get hit. And in fact, he did. He got broadsided right in front of me at an intersection. And he went down and it was bad. And I pulled over and I screeched, you know, with the brakes. I, I grabbed the, the, uh, the gloves out of the glove compartment, the plastic surgical gloves, put them on my hand. I ran out there and his leg was in awful shape. It was broken above the knee, bent all the way back up to his head and blood everywhere. And, and, he, and he was in pain. And he was going into shock. And I put myself in between his face and his knees so he couldn't see it. And I held his, his uh, leg together like a tourniquet until the ambulance came. And he kept saying, how bad is it? And I said, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And uh, I prayed with him. Now, what I did there was I, I kind of was like Simon, but I volunteered for it. He ended up in surgery, was in the hospital for weeks, and um, we ended up becoming friends after that. But it was an example, and I'm sharing it with you as an example of uh, suddenly the situation was there and I had a choice. Uh, was I going to drive by saying, I'll pray for you? Or was I going to touch the wound? Was I going to be a part of his life that I normally wouldn't do? It wasn't natural for me to do. But as a Christian, it was supernatural that I could serve in, in this way. Now, I think anybody can do that. That's not a heroic thing to do at all. I think it's, it's just simply, yes, I'll touch the wound. I'm not afraid to touch the wound in someone else's life. And I, I want to, before we take a break here, I just want to ask you, you know, think about the situations in your life. Have you had situations in your life where you were at a funeral as I have been in this last week? I'll share with that on the other side of the break. And, uh, or you were at a hospital or you were with a friend who's 
just their husband just walked out on them or they just found out that their children are been arrested they're addicted to drugs or alcohol and their life seems to be going south and you were with them but you were afraid to go beyond a certain point beyond simply saying i'll pray for you to really loving them and and becoming vulnerable i think we all have to some degree i guess the the, the point of this show and the the direction i'd like to go in this show is to encourage you to be available to the Lord to touch the wound of other people, to go beyond a simple, I'll pray for you, which is good, to I will be with you and I won't let you go and I will find help uh, in other people's lives. I'll go where people are uncomfortable to go to love you because Jesus went where others wouldn't go to love us and now we're called to do the same thing. We're called to do the same thing. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about my father-in-law, Andy, and a little bit about what we went through and, and what I noticed about other people who were not afraid to touch our wounds when we went through this difficult time in the last week of the passing of my father-in-law. Still kind of tender in a way. And uh, I just want to share that with you. And this is real Christianity this is real Catholicism. This is real faith in real life right now. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. We'll be back in just a moment. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account with your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. Welcome back to the, the show. We're talking about touching the wound today. I want to remind you that all of the things that we're talking about, we put them in the show notes, and you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash podcast. Click on the Jeff Caven Show, and uh, I like to put this, these notes together for you. So that if you're driving or riding your motorcycle, whatever you might be doing, uh, you don't have to take notes during the show. Uh, before the break, I mentioned to you, this has been a tough month, a month and a half or so for my wife and myself. And in the middle of it, we're Christians. We are Catholics and we don't, we don't take a break from our faith. And I can't take a break from being a husband and a, a father and a, you know, a, a son-in-law to my mother-in-law, to my father-in-law. But uh, my, this last week, my father-in-law died after a couple months struggle in about uh, a week in hospice care. Uh, for those of you that don't know what hospice is, hospice is, uh, is near-death um, care. When you're really coming down to the line, you know, down to the wire, and people care for you and they, they love you. And uh, I ran into an extraordinary woman who runs a hospice center that I want to talk to you about in just a moment. But let me tell you a little bit about my father-in-law. I've been married 39 years and uh, Andy Tobler, my father-in-law, and he is an incredible man. And uh, he's the one that gave me the, the, the greatest gift outside of Jesus, the greatest gift in my life, which is my wife, Emily. Uh, we met when we were 18 and 17 years old. We got engaged at 19 and 18. And of course, to get engaged, I had to, I had to go through her father, Andy. And that was uh, almost 40 years ago. 
and he was in his 50s at that point. He died at 91, and I still remember asking him for her hand in marriage and him saying yes, that I that I could. It was it was really, really something. And so the last 40 years, he's been a part of my life as a father, and uh, and uh, have become close, and, and I've learned a lot, a lot from him. Uh, I want to read to you the the letter that I wrote that was read at the end of the funeral, uh, a number of people wrote some things and they asked me, would you like to say anything? And I said, no, I don't. I'm a, I am a speaker. <laughs> right now, I'm a son. And I didn't think I could do it. <laughs> so I didn't. And I wrote it and, uh, and it was read and it tells you a little bit about my father-in-law and and then I'll talk to you a little bit about what we went through and the, the people that were not afraid to touch the wound. When I first met the Toblers, I was 18 years old. Emily and I met at a cultural anthropology class at Normandale Junior College in Bloomington, Minnesota. I had never met a family that was so focused on the Bible, church, and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I daily met with Alice, Emily's mother, for a week or so and listened as she expounded on the Bible and introduced me to a new and exciting relationship with Jesus. Andy, Emily's father, wasn't around in the mid-afternoon, the time when I met with Emily and her mother, but I do remember the first time I met him. It was a week or so later that Andy came home after a hard day's work. I was nervous. I wondered what kind of a man was married to Alice and what was the father of Emily like. I found out in the weeks that followed that he came home every day at the same time with a lunchbox. He was a faithful, hard-working man. Another first impression was that he was quiet and deep. As the months passed, I knew that I wanted to marry Emily. While visiting the Toblers in a small town in northern Minnesota at a cabin, I knew it was time to ask Andy for the hand and heart of his beautiful daughter. He gave me permission to marry Emily, and it was at that time that I became acutely aware that I now had a relationship with Andy as well. It wasn't until I became the father of three daughters that I understood the quiet thoughts he must have, have had, had over and over those last, these last 40 years. Take care of my treasure, he must have thought. As the years have passed, and we approach 40 years of marriage, I have noticed that Emily is very much like her father, both in looks and in life's interest. She didn't completely invent herself. His quiet life helped her to form her into an interesting mosaic that resembles his fascinating life. He passed away on a special day in the Catholic liturgical year, the Feast of St. Joseph. St. Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, was an amazing husband and father. I have a special devotion to St. Joseph, as that is my confirmation name. Andy's passing on that feast day is a continued reminder that not only was Andy an amazing husband and father, but I must continue on imitating those who have gone before me. As I spoke to Andy in the last 24 hours of his life, I thanked him for giving me the greatest treasure that anyone could give me, his daughter. I told him, as I was leaning over his bed in the last hours of his life, I will take care of her. Don't you worry. I told him that everything we have been involved in, 
in terms of evangelization he has had a part in. Yes, and he was quiet. But his participation in the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ is felt in both Emily and my life. I have been honored to be a co-worker with Andy Tobler in the kingdom of God, your son-in-law. Now, I got to share those thoughts with him in literally his last hours of life. And it was in those last hours of life that I became really, really aware of of how many blessings we have in our life. You know that it was in those last hours that many people are afraid to touch the wound. They don't know what to say. But I want to encourage you in those last hours of your loved one's lives, don't be afraid to touch the wound. And what I mean by that is don't be afraid to share the deep thoughts that you that you have, that you want to share, the things that you would would regret not sharing if they passed, to be a comfort, to say, we are with you. We love you. You are, you are in the hands of Jesus. I noticed something in the last three weeks where things looked dire and it didn't look good for my father-in-law. I noticed that people began to focus on the important players here, his wife, his three children, Neighbors and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ began to swarm around them like white blood cells taking care of the wounded. When the body begins to shut down, the vital organs take precedence, the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the lungs, and all the energy in the body begins to focus on those critical organs. I noticed this in the last three weeks of Andy's life when it looked very critical, friends, clergy, and people began to surround the very important people in Andy's life, including himself, of course, my mother-in-law, my wife Emily, her brother Mark, and Michael. And I saw a beautiful thing come together as they began to support those and began to, to carry their cross in a beautiful, transparent way, not in a greeting card kind of way, but in a real way, a, a, a way that expressed love and care in their life. And it was beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. In short, I could say that people were not afraid to touch the wound. In the last three days, we ended up bringing Andy to a, a, a very special hospice care house called Ark on the River, on the Mississippi River. And it was beautiful because uh, Andy was from Switzerland and he loved the outdoors and as a young man heard about the Mississippi in the United States. And when he came over here uh, as part of the Marshall Plan and married my mother-in-law, he, he took a fascination, was fascinated with Lewis and Clark and exploration, the Mississippi and so forth. No one ever knew that as we began to pray novenas for him and, and commit him to St. Joseph's prayers and the Blessed Mother, that he would make his way to the Mississippi in his last three days. And I want to tell you about the lady that runs it because it so touched me. Her name was Donna. Donna was an amazing woman. She has spent her life working in hospice, caring for people in the final days of their life. 
She is a woman who is not afraid to touch the wound of other people. She's not a woman who is afraid to touch the cross of other people. And she would sit next to my father-in-law and she would hold his hand and she would talk to him in the most loving way. And it wasn't just, we're praying for you, but it was thoughts about your family. It was thoughts about heaven. She was a Christian. And one day, it was the last day, it so touched me. He literally had hours to live. She sat at the edge of his bed and she prayed and interceded for him as a hospice care nurse. And I got a good glimpse right there of what it is to touch the wound and to not be afraid to do that. And it really touched my life. And so I wanted to share that with you this week, that whatever you're going through, whoever you're visiting, it's a time for you to be transparent, humble yourself. It's not about you. It's about the one carrying the cross. Help them, love them, say the things to them that you would want someone to say to you. Give them the good news of Jesus Christ in the same way that you would want to hear it. Give them peace. Give them a warm hand. Give them loving eyes and help them with that cross. I really wanted to share that with you this week. And like, like all the shows we're doing, you know, it, it might be for, for one person. It might be for a few people who are really going through, you know, a, a tough time in their life right now. And my last words to my father-in-law were the words that I wanted to say. And I stood there for a few minutes and I didn't know how to say it. And I didn't know if I could actually say it. But at the end, I just had to do it and help him in his cross as I looked at him and said, I'll take care of your daughter. I will love her. She's in good hands in your family. I'd like to close in prayer. And then uh, I want to share with you uh, a little bit about the show and and how you can help us with the show and uh, and blessing other people. But will you pray with me right now? And uh, maybe you're going through something right now and you're in a relationship with someone and you don't know exactly what to do. I would ask you to call on Jesus for wisdom and call on Jesus for courage to be Jesus in that situation, to go from the natural to the supernatural and ask him to give you the words. Ask him to give you the, the courage to lift up that person and help them carry the cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I thank you for dying on a cross for us. And in Simon, you have given us an example of helping. And Lord, we want to be the Simons in this world today. Help us, Lord, we ask you to give us the words and the courage in the situations that we are facing or are about to face where we can touch the wound. We can help carry the cross of someone we encounter. May we be you to them. May they see your eyes in ours. May they feel your hands in our hands. May they feel your embrace and your words in us as we help them carry the cross in their life. I thank you, Lord, for my father-in-law. 
I thank you for all those who came and helped us carry the cross. It has meant so much to us. And particularly, Lord, this nurse that I had never met before and have not seen since, who made a huge difference in my life and in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Friends, it's been good to talk to you today. It's a little different, I know, and I've got a cold in the middle of it. I'm at my kitchen table. This is real life. And I want to encourage you to share the show with other people who may need to hear some of the things that we're talking about. Uh, once again, uh, I, I appreciate your emails. All the information's in the show notes. It's at ascensionpress.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the Jeff Caven Show. Love to hear ideas from you about shows you'd like to, you know, topics you'd like to hear about. And uh, anything that's happened as a result of one of the shows, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, late, earlier, I did a show on developing my own posse, the saints that I walk with and I can ask to pray for me. And uh, we, we're getting good response on that. We'll share that in the future. People are putting together their, their own posse. We'll go out this week and, uh, and be Jesus in the world and uh, be a real gift to others as you pick up their cross with them. And uh, don't be afraid to touch the wound. God bless you. Talk to you next time.